0: just saying it there's nothing that can stand against the name of Jesus there's nothing that's ever been able to stand there's nothing that ever will be able to stand against that name but it's not all on God it's on us as well so let me tell you what I mean real quick I've been thinking about the woman with the issue of blood all day when she's coming to Jesus, for those of you who don't know the story, she'd been bleeding for 12 years, and she heard about Jesus. And when she was coming to Jesus, it says, she said to herself, if I can just touch this garment, I'll be made well. And she pressed through and put her life in danger to get to Jesus and she did touch him and he dried up that flow of blood that 12 year old flow of blood in a moment and all he had to say to her was your faith made you well you know and here's what I feel like the Father is asking us about our faith. What are we saying to ourselves? Are we saying anything to ourselves? What is the expectation, if you will? And then, is there any ownership in your expectation? I don't want to confuse you, but listen to me. Here's what I mean. She recognized the ability of Jesus. And that's what brought her there that day. She recognized God's ability. And then she had eyes to see her responsibility. God's ability led her into her responsibility. And those two things married each other. And it resulted in a miracle. And Jesus called that faith. Having eyes to see his ability and our responsibility to move, to press in. So that's the question tonight, y'all. What are we saying to ourselves? And is part of it God's? and is part of it us. God's ability, my responsibility. Father, in the name of Jesus, clarify that. Clarify that. She said, if I can, then then I will. If I will, then you will. God, faith is you and faith is is us, moving. And so Father, I pray your blessing over each of us. Father, may we be people that don't presume what is our responsibility to be your responsibility. May we take ownership in our faith so that you can do miracles in us and through us that you desire to do and ask you to help us with that. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place and what you desire to speak to us tonight. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts, Father, to understand in Jesus' name.
1: Got your Bibles open to 1 John. How many of you know why the woman with the issue of blood took her life in her own hands when she touched Jesus? You know? She took her life in her own hands because a woman that was bleeding was not supposed to come out of the house. And if she did come out of the house, she was supposed to scream unclean, unclean like a leper. And she certainly wasn't supposed to touch a man much less a rabbi. And so the penalty for that was not stoning. <laughs> it was not very uh, good. Which is interesting, isn't it? Which takes us to the topic. I hear... A lot of people talking about getting a log out of your eye. Anybody been challenged by that? Has that been a challenging message besides just, or is it just me? It it it, it has resonated in all kind of ways. I want to kind of I want to kind of um, I'm to I want to grab a hold of that. I want to touch on you know the idea of when you're saved. And you confess your sin; and He's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. That you come into relationship with Him. And I also want to touch on in First John, and and uh, right here in the beginning, where he is, he, uh, John is writing, and he says this. He says, you know, if. If you confess your sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive you in all unrighteousness. And if you've been here at any time, you know, one of the things that we've talked about around here is that, you know, if you've been saved, you don't have to confess your sins all the time to be saved again. Right? In other words, sin doesn't cause you to lose your salvation. You tracking with me? Do you need to be remorse that you're sinning? Would it be okay to confess your sin because you're acknowledging them before God so that you can show remorse so that you can actually do something about that? You just you just don't need to confess them to get back in heaven. Does that make sense? And so I want to kind of there's all kinds of things that are going around as far as teachers are concerned. And I want to just kind of go over this passage of Scripture real quick. We're going to read a little bit of the first chapter, and then we're going to skip to chapter 3. So I'm going to just start with verse 1. Who's got a Bible app, uh, East Side Bible app? It, y'all got them? Go to the Bible part while well, we've got a few minutes, seconds. Go, open the app, go to the Bible. And open that up. Open the Bible up. In the, mine's in the car, too. You got it? Open to first John chapter one. You got it? All right, now real quickly, real quickly, just touch Father. Touch the word Father right there. Touch it. Did the Greek come up? Every word in your Bible has the Greek and the Hebrew possibility for you in our Bible app, just as you read it, to go pop and get the whole Greek definition of that word or the Hebrew definition of that word. That is an amazing tool for you to expand for you what God's trying to say. So if you've got your Bible app and you want to understand a little bit about, you know, maybe you don't understand possibly this deal, just pull your Bible out, open it up, Hit that. It's going to give you the Greek and Hebrew. You can be like somebody who's been to seminary and they really understand Greek. Somebody says, did you take Hebrew and Greek in seminary? I said, yeah, right click. (laughs) (laughs) Right click. There it is right there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the Word of Life, capital W, the Word of Life, that's Jesus. The life was manifested, and we've seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father. And was manifested to us through Jesus. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. John's writing this so that you can be filled with joy. That's important when we get on down the road. So I want you to underline, if you would, if you've got a Bible that you can underline, I hope you do, full of joy. John is writing this so you can be full of joy, that your coworkers know that you're full of joy. Why? Because John wrote to me. And he told me all these things about Jesus. He told me all these things about who I am in Jesus. And so it made my joy full. There's nobody in the room that probably questions the fact that Dr. Joe's people around him know that he's full of joy. But there's some other of us in the room that might be questionable. Whether we're full of joy or not. Does the the people around you believe that you're filled with joy? So John writes in verse 5, this is the message Which we have heard from Jesus, and we declare it to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. What a great passage. We've talked about this recently that God is not trying to make a decision. He doesn't, first of all, he doesn't sleep, so he doesn't wake up in the morning. Secondly, he doesn't have to choose whether he's going to be good today, he's always good. He cannot be good. Why? Because there is no darkness in him at all. He doesn't have the ability to choose darkness because he has none. Right? So you don't have to worry about God choosing darkness for you. Anytime you see darkness, you know that it doesn't come from the Lord because the Lord has no darkness. Right? Tracking? Tracking? So if we say that we have fellowship with Jesus and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He's, getting, he's going to start meddling really bad, really quick. What is darkness? When you walk it in darkness, what is it? It's anything that doesn't look like God. Because God can't, rock, well, you know, he can't, there's no darkness in him, right? So he says here, if you're walking in Jesus and, walk in dar- and you're walking in darkness, you lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All. Say all. All. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so what we're talking about here is not necessarily a particular one-time event. It is a lifestyle or a practicing of things that are contrary to the ways of God. Because what he's saying here is that this lifestyle that we've led, if we're in Jesus, if we're in Christ, then all our sin has been cleansed from us. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what this verse means. We've all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've lived that lifestyle at one time or another. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, I circle all, all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The reason that, you know, I think even when I taught this the last time, I I was talking about him speaking to unbelievers, even even you who believe now, once used to be an unbeliever, right? So he's speaking to the unbelieving condition, and he's saying to the unbelieving condition that you know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you say you haven't sinned and come short of the glory of God, then you're a liar. But if you receive what Jesus did, he he is he is able to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you confess that you have sinned because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now some of you, that's happened to, and some of us, it might need to happen. And there are a lot of people that we know that it hadn't happened to yet, and it needs to happen to them. And so... And so what we're saying here is is that there is a condition of sinfulness that hasn't been forgiven. And when we come to God, he forgives us of all our sins, no matter who we are. Does that make sense? Pretty basic stuff, right? There's this there's this thought process that that to you know, if I sin and I, and, I, and I choose to sin or I stumble in sin or no matter how I sin, I know I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. Maybe you've even done something that God delivered you from at some time in the past. You don't have to confess that sin for that sin to be given, forgiven. That's, that's where we're getting at. That sin was forgiven. Your past, present, and future sins have been forgiven. Are you tracking with me? But, and. There's not this imposed guilt that should come upon you, but there's a difference between feeling guilty and being convicted. There should be conviction, and what John is going to really start writing about here is how bad that conviction should come. And so, what I'm wanting to do is, I want to set this up tonight, to let you know that your sins have been forgiven. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins have been forgiven. All of them. Every one. But I'm also here to tell you, and I'm going to show you through the First John, that you, you need to be remorseful about your sin. Not only that, you need to be being delivered from a practice of sinning. He even goes and says, if you're not being delivered from practicing sin, then you really don't know him. He he goes on to say that if you don't live a life where you're getting better and better and better at not sinning, you don't know God. You really never came into it. So it's not a matter of whether you really need to deal with sin. It's a matter of of of. Of are you in relationship with God? And are you trying and have you devoted your life to beginning to pursue righteousness to such a regard, to such a way that you're not sinning like you used to? In other words, you're getting better and better and better at not sinning. In other words, you might fall, every, you might have, you know, three years ago fallen every month, now you only fall every three months. Or maybe every six, you know, you're you're getting better at not sinning. What he's not saying is, your sins are forgiven. You don't have to worry about sinning anymore. You can do whatever you want. He's not saying that at all. Because he continually, and he's about to teach us in John 3, that there should be this great remorse. There should be victory after victory after victory if you're in a relationship with God. And the church really needs to hear this today. When we start thinking about getting the log out of our own eye, the log is sin, right? When we start talking about doing that, there is a pursuit of righteousness that allows you to do it. In other words, you're not focusing on deck on it. You're not focusing on sin. You're focusing on acting right, Amen. pursuing righteousness, pursuing godliness. How do you know? Is it got any darkness in it? Let me give you an example today. You know. <laughs> Today I got whipped on the golf course. I play once a, once a week. I try to play in a seniors tournament that is a, inner, it's a North Carolina tournament. It's an inner club tournament. We played today, and I got beat by a guy that had 12 beers before the turn. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He shot par. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, how in the heck is he doing this? But, you know, when you're around golfers or you go to the race, or you go to school or maybe at work? Anybody hear colorful language? Y'all hear colorful language everywhere? I mean, I mean, are, are there things that you can talk about sexually with your wife or your husband that you probably shouldn't be talking about with the boys? I mean, when does it is, is you know, when does it get dirty? When is it okay? And when is it not? How do you know whether it's filthy talk or not? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out. How do you know? Does it have darkness on it? Can you feel darkness on what just came out of your mouth? Do you think God would say what just came out of your mouth? Do you you think he might say it in the context in which you were given it? In the, in the in the realm of friendship that you're in, how do you know? Because you know if you're a believer, the Spirit of God will show you that that's got darkness on it. That, you, that's never going to be spoken in heaven. That attitude right there is never going to be in heaven. When you have some kind of attitude, you know, when you, when you prejudge somebody because of how they look on the outside, do you think that's going to be in heaven? Where do you think that comes from? You think God prejudges people by how they look on the outside? He does it? Because it's got darkness on it. God looks at the heart. He looks at the inside. So what I'm saying there is, We should be tuned in to the Spirit of God, to the love of God to such a degree that we quit practicing sin, that we quit living a lifestyle of sin. Now, I'm not saying that you don't sin, because he's going to say that in just a minute. He says, not quit sinning, but when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. He says that in John. But it is getting better. In other words, we don't think we can do what we've always done and get away with it. In other words, we, we, as believers, John is going to say here in just a minute as we read it, that as God reveals something that doesn't look like him, we deal with it. We begin to deal with attitudes and thought processes. And words that are spoken out of our mouths, whether they bring life or they bring death, whether that be on yourself, your family. Do you know how many times I hear parents speak death over their children? And how how we women and men speak death to one another in arguments and never retract it? Do you think you're going to have an enemy in heaven? Do you know that believer, with, you can't stand them. You don't even want to see them coming. You might think they're religious. You might think they're fanatical. Maybe, maybe they're embarrassing to you. Maybe they're just you just don't like their personality. Maybe they don't shower. I don't know. But you don't like them. And when you die, they're going to be the first one to greet you in heaven. And do you think you're going to have conflict? Do you think there's going to be conflict? There's not. Do you think God wants you to learn how to deal with your bad self on earth? He does. In other words, we can't keep doing what, what we've always done when we've got the Spirit of God in us. And if, when you go home tonight, if you'll read 1 John, I, I mean, you can listen to it from here to your house. It takes like 10 minutes to go through the whole thing. You know what it is? Love people and stop sinning. The whole book. How do you know that you're really in relationship with God? Well, you're stopping sinning and you're loving your brother. Well, I love most of my brothers. You know, 65% maybe. Seventy? But what he says, man, this is so challenging for us because we've got to become a body that honors people better. The more we can honor people, the more people will be attracted to us. Listen to what, look, look, turn to Romans 8. (laughs) So youth are about to do it. I'm stealing box thunder. One verse, that's all I got, one verse. Romans 8, verse 30. Moreover, in addition to everything that he said so far, verse 30, in the first 29 verses, God, Jesus, predestined, moreover whom Jesus predestined, these he also called. Called to what? What did he call us to? Huh? He called us to relationship. That's, that's the beginning. That was, that's the birth. He called us to righteousness. Which leads to. Read it. These he called. Whom he called these he justified. Justified means that just as if you've never sinned. He justified them. And then, whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, we read that all the time. But this is what it means. Listen to me. God, this is so good. He, just as you have not seen, this is one verse, and he put his image on you. The nature and the character of God on you so that you could show the world That's why he called you. So that you could look like him. He glorified you. The glory of the Lord is upon you. You are the glory of Jesus, 2 Corinthians. How do you glorify God? How does he glorify you? He puts his nature on you. How does he do that? Start practicing righteousness. Stop practicing sin. Sin is anything that doesn't look like God. Well, it's America. I don't care if it's America. I love America. I served in the armed forces. There are some things about America, would you agree, that doesn't look like Jesus. Separate the two. Don't be deceived. So now let's just flip over. I, I, let me read 27 in chapter 2. I just got to read this. It doesn't have anything to do with what I'm preaching on. It's just so good I got to read it. <laughs> Y'all remember what I'm saying. If you've got a New King James, you can say it like I'm going to say it, but if you don't, it's probably written different. This, that's exactly why y'all have a New King James. You Ready? Here we go. <laughs> that was a joke. That was supposed to be funny. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Let me repeat that. But the anointing you received from Jesus abides in you. Why don't you, like, find three people and tell them the anointing they have from Jesus abides in them. Tell them. You have an anointing. All right, now, now find somebody else and say, you're an anointed man or woman of God. Tell them, you're an anointed man or woman of God. What are you anointed to do? Righteousness. God's grace empowers you to do the right thing. It's what the law couldn't do. Behold, verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. Why? Because it doesn't know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be when we get with him. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Again, I want you to see that you got saved Right here, you're justified just as you never sinned. Your past, your present, your future sins. You don't have to confess your sin to be saved again. But when you sin, you're going to reap what that sin brings. You're going to sow that sin. So confession gets you to agree with God. I agree with God that this, I see it, God. I see that's not righteousness. And I know I at the cross, and I put it there. And hey God, today I choose to move in righteousness. So he's anointed you, he's called you, he's justified you to do righteousness, and you get better and better and better at doing righteousness until you see Jesus, and then you're going to be just like him. Never ever to ever sin again. You're on the pathway of sinlessness. (laughs) And I'm going back to what you said at the beginning. How are you responding to what he's revealing to you? He's justified you. He's Brought healing. What are you doing? For we shall see him as he is. And when we have clarity of the, glo- of the fullness of the glory of God, immediately we're going to be like him. That's such a beautiful picture. Think about that just a moment. When you see and you understand, this is so important, I'm looking at you, and you, and you, these, and these young, the more, y'all too, too, you too, <laughs> the more, the more we get a revelation of the nature of God, We're, we get that revelation for one one reason, why do we get the revelation? So that we can be like that. He, he shows us himself and he puts his spirit in us so that we can be transformed. He shows us that so we can do it. It's not unachievable. Listen, you're never going to see everything that there is to see about God until you see him face to face. And then it says, when you see his fullness, all his glory, every bit of it, you're going to be like him. Because he shows it to you so you can be it. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. Just as Jesus is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. I want to read this. I got to read this from a different version. This is why you ought to have this version. This is the ESV. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. This is the ESV. This is actually the best translation as far as taking it from the Greek to the English. Listen. Listen. It's not just a single sin. It is the it is the habitual practicing of sin. In other words, when you think that lying is okay and you just continue to lie. When you get in when you start telling little white lies and then they just keep you keep telling them because you just it's just a little white lie. When you practice sinning. It says here that you're practicing lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Let me read that one more time. No one, say that with me, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. Why do you not make it a habit of practicing sin? Because the Spirit of God is called the seed of God. Jesus is the seed. He lives in you by his Spirit. And because he lives in you, you cannot practice sin. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. But this is, this, by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, that is strong. Don't get sidetracked. Because we're about to pray. And I'm early. Well, that's good enough, isn't it? Isn't that enough? You see, there's this, there's this easy grace that's going on right now. Around. That doesn't want to, that doesn't want us to, you know, you got, you know, you got this easy grace, I can do whatever I want to and God's going to forgive me. And there really isn't any hell either to religion. that There's this big legalist thing. Grace is God's spirit that lives within you. When you receive Jesus, his spirit, his seed comes into you. You're born again. You're born again in the spirit. And then you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit gives you the power not to sin. And it's not like you're going to be incredibly successful all the time, not sinning, but you're not living a lifestyle practicing sin. You're not just sinning saying, ah, God'll forgive me. You're not just going through life saying, "His grace is sufficient for that ha." <laughs> You're coming to God and saying, God, this doesn't look like you. I know it breaks your heart. It breaks my heart. You've forgiven me. They've been forgiven. You're not going to count them against me. They're they're as far as the east is from the west when I come to you. It's not going to be what blots my name out of the book of life. But I know you're going to pull your hand from me because you, you, you can't bless my sinful nature. You can't bless my sinful practices. I'm going to reap what I've sown if I begin to practice sin. And if I continue practicing that sin, it may just be evidence that I'm really not in relationship with you at all. And maybe I never have been. You see, if it's me, and it is me because I'm, I'm examining my own heart. I'm not scared and I'm not worried. I'm saved. But sometimes I wink at sin and God says that he'll punish those not only who sin but those who wink at those who do. And so our heart's posture towards sin is huge. And then our quickness to agree with God in our actions when they don't look like God, and our, our willingness to surrender and submit to the Spirit so that we can no longer behave that way makes a huge difference in whether you're going to open up heaven over your household or over your workplace or over your children or whatever it might be. makes a huge difference, your posture and position about practicing sin. Or practicing righteousness. And God is saying to us, Man, I got your sins covered. You're just as if you've never sinned. But I want you to practice righteousness. If we'll practice righteousness, if we'll buy into this whole idea and call ourselves out, not confess so we can be saved again, but agree so that we can agree with God about our current condition and say to him, Lord, I want to be like you. In you, there's no darkness at all. And you've got a seed of righteousness in me that you want to water. And you said that there was going to be rivers that flow out of me that were going to accomplish all kinds of things that I couldn't do on my own. I want that to happen. I want to flow out of me. Righteousness, no darkness at all. Do you believe that God is big enough to empower you to choose righteousness all the time what are you doing that's the question you asked right off the bat woman with the issue of blood how's our pursuit of the one who can help us be righteous It's not striving for anything, but resting in his presence so that we can be changed by him. Y'all are doing that tonight. But over the week, as we go through and as we are married, and I'm looking at my daughter and my son-in-law over here, Ed Price in the back. You know, God gives us, you know, the practice field is our marriages. If we're single, the practice field might be your children. It might be your your families. It might be your workplaces. You've got different practice fields. You've got different relationships the Lord wants you to practice righteousness in. And this is what he says. Listen, this is what he says. He says, first, if you're going to be ministering outside the house, get your house right. Practice at home. Be good at doing righteousness at home. And then, then you do it with your children. Practice righteousness with your children. And children, practice righteousness for your parents. And that's difficult sometimes. But it it actually is a fruit of whether your parents are actually doing a decent job or not. And then, not always, but oftentimes, and then you go to workplace, and you get a chance to practice righteousness at work, and then you can do it at Walmart. But the point I'm trying to make here, it gets further and further out. You know, it's, it's, it gets further and further out. But your hardest place is at home. Yes? Are we committed to that? Yes? That's good, isn't it? Practice righteousness, don't practice sin. Love your brother. Let's stand for closing prayer. Why don't we pray with each other instead of me praying over you? How about that? Why don't we just uh, pair up? You know, twos, threes, and the most. This is three, this is four. Three at the most. Okay, do three at the most. Pair up with each other, and let's pray over each other. Pray for. Let me give you some things to pray for. If the person's married, pray for practicing righteousness at home. If they're going to be married, if they're engaged, practice that they would hear from heaven about their fiance. if you're single, pray that that the peace of God and the wisdom of God uh, in the future for a future mate, if that is even a possibility, and then if there's kids involved, and then of course pray for righteousness at work and just bless each other. Anything else that you need to bring pray for? That's four over there, y'all. I'm seeing four over there, and that's not three. That's four. Otherwise, do two. So you can share. So you can share. Yes? Am I clear? Is everybody clear? We're going to pray for righteousness at home. Righteousness at work. Righteousness with our children. If we've got a future mate, we're going to pray for that to be done right. Is that right? So pray for each other right now. Y'all just pray. Yeah, one more thing I wanna do before we. just want to pair that. Remember what we talked about? Seek, knock, and ask. I'm, I'm tying all these sermons together that you've been hearing over the last week. Seek, knock, and ask. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, there's nothing you can do about your sin next week. But tomorrow morning you can get up and you can invite Jesus into your day You can spend some time with him like the birds do, right? And you can say, Lord, show me any character defect, any attitude, any way of thinking, anything that comes off my lips, anything that comes out of my mouth that you wouldn't say about anybody, any thought pattern that I would have about anybody who that I run into or who I come in contact with, even if they're, you know, really depraved mentally. You know, maybe there's a lot of people who are hurting mentally that just maybe, if you'll have the right perspective toward them, you're the one that God, you could say one thing and maybe they'd be brought out of that depravity. Lord, anything in me that doesn't look like you, your word in John, it says there's no darkness at all in you, Lord. And you saved me to put me on this pathway to pull this log out of my eye, God, so I could begin to not sin so much, that I could not live a pattern of sin, but I would live a pattern of righteousness. And I believe that this day that you, O God, if you could heal the woman with the issue of blood, if you could give Pastor Alex a new heart, if you could give Dr. Joe a healed back, if you could heal cancer, if you could heal diabetes, if you could break addiction, if you could heal elbows, if you could make people pregnant that aren't supposed to be able to get pregnant, you are big enough and your grace is sufficient to help me see what doesn't look like you today. And God, I pray that I not argue with you that that's okay. I pray that I not argue with you that I've been this way a long time and I'm probably not ever going to change. I ask you, Lord, that I would have a heart that would say, God, if it's not like you, I don't want to be like that. I want to choose righteousness. Righteousness. I don't want to continue in my sin father as we go this week i pray that the miraculous would happen i pray lord jesus that your kingdom would come that the gates in our homes in our marriages over our children in our workplaces the gates of heaven would be open wide and the miraculous of god that angels would come to and fro and the power of the holy spirit would begin to move in such a capacity that it would change the atmosphere everywhere i go Because I'm choosing righteousness. I thank you for that, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? Now find like eight people before you go home and tell them you're a righteous man or woman of God. You're an anointed man or woman of God. You're anointed. You're anointed.